All right. How are you guys? You know, I feel like I'm uh, at work. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm at work. That's one of the reasons why I didn't want to meet here. When they kept asking me, like, do you have space? I just kept saying, no. <laughs> because then I would be coming to work. You guys understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you come here every day, and then you come here again on Sundays, like, you're coming to work. And so, but although I don't teach here in this campus anymore, uh, I teach on the Lansdowne campus, which is a newer, brand newer, actually more beautiful campus. So, most likely we, all, we will apply to meet there. Uh, we just saw the space today. And so, that would really be my work because my office is right there. So, if I don't like you guys, I'll lock myself in my office. Don't come. You guys understand? But that space is really good, really nice, uh, all set up for church services. And uh, lots of storage so we don't have to move anything. So pray that we get that service space. We, w- we definitely will get this space if we ask for it um, because uh, I'm faculty here and they'll, they'll say okay uh, because Trinity owns this space. But Lansdowne is run by the Lansdowne Mall, so we need to apply to the Lansdowne Mall to meet there. So pray that the Lansdowne higher-ups say okay to Rain City. Amen? Because that would be beautiful because parking is right there. How many guys know parking is very important? Free parking at that. And SkyTrain. And then there's a food court that I go to every every week. (laughs) Everything is the same for me. I need a change, guys. So uh, now if this amount of people met at Broadway, the place would be packed. Amen? Yeah. It would be like sque- squeezed. And so there's like that false impression. Oh, yeah, we're packed and everything's good. Uh, that's why I like to, when I, I knew that we had to move, I just didn't know that it would be that quick. And we were like forced out by the strata. Uh, a very conscientious maintenance man called the strata. <laughs> And we were actually following the bylaws. The bylaws doesn't say anything about Sundays. Uh, and we, were, we actually leased the place with that contingency. And so we didn't lose any money because the person let us out, out of our lease because that was the agreement. And so we don't have that space anymore. We don't even have that office. We're homeless. Uh, our fobs don't even work. You know our fobs? the fobs to open the doors, they don't even work anymore. They just shut us out. And so that level of persecution <laughs> is, is, is very welcomed in my life because I, I just take all those things as a sign. Time to go. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Just like when the Acts Church, when they were comfortable, they, the Lord allowed persecution, so they were, it's, the Lord was saying, it's time for you to go. There was forced dispersion. So we are forced yeah, this week has been very hectic. Um, I should be relaxing because I have to teach in, in May. I should be relaxing. This week was one of the busiest weeks, stress, stressed out. Um, but I knew everything would work out, and uh, we're here. Amen? At least for this week. So let's pray that we get it for next week and next week and next week. And also, I didn't want to meet at afternoon uh, because I like, I'm a morning person. So if I wake up at 6, what am I going to do till 1 o'clock? Like, 
I'm all done, just waiting. So, yeah. And also, we, my old church, we met in Richmond, uh, and a lot of good things happened, and a lot of things that we didn't want to happen, and we moved away. But my wife was saying, you know, it's almost been seven to eight, seven years since all those things happened. So seven is a number of perfection. So we, we have perfectly gone through that process. And now God wants to bring us back to Richmond for crying out loud. Gain a lot of weight with all that good Chinese food. Amen. So I just, I just take all these things as prophetic signs because there's nothing by chance. Everything is ordained by God. Amen? All right. You guys ready for the word? <coughs> all right. You guys are lively today. Make me feel like I'm not teaching a lecture at a classroom, you know what I mean? Don't be like my students going like this. Please. Let's be a church. Yes? Amen. All right, John 5. John 5. After this, there was the Feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which had five roof colonnades. So they actually, this is archaeologically true. You can find it uh, in Palestine, even to this day. They found, found the uh, pool of Bethesda, and there's colonnades. So it's kind of like, uh, like shade for the people who were at that pool. So the Bible says, in these days lay multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. <laughs> I don't think invalid is the most politically correct, but I'm going to explain what that means in the Greek. And when Jesus saw him, saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Then the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Now, in other older versions, uh, some people added certain parts to it. And it doesn't mean it's extra biblical. It means that the people had a superstition that an angel came down and stirred the water because they'll be like bubbling. But really, it was under, underground streams that came and kind of coagulated together and produced springs. And so people thought it was angels stirring those waters and people would jump in. And some would actually probably get healed, probably psychosomatic. And that caused people to get excited. And there's, so it was like a healing pool, right? The sick man said, I have no one. Everybody say, I have no one. No. To put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going another step, another one steps before me. Another one comes before me. I have no one and somebody else comes in front of me. I miss out every time. Jesus said to him, get up and take your bed and walk. And I talked about this already uh, post-worship prayer, get up, is rouse yourself to awaken. It's the Greek version of be woke. <laughs> I'm not even making that up. I looked it up in the Greek. It said be awaken. So I just took away the A and I said be woke. Jesus saying be woke. Open your eyes. Take up your bed and walk. He's saying, do you not see who's talking to you? And this man had no idea it was Jesus. Notice that this man didn't even know it was Jesus. I thought that was a good point. He didn't even know it was Jesus, but he 
acted on the word. The word itself, the truth, has power to transform your life. The man didn't even have faith in Jesus. He had faith in the word, the truth. Come on, somebody. The word is good. The truth itself from heaven activates and it works. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, The man who has healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Notice he shifts the blame, and he says, Hey, it's not my fault that I'm healed. The guy, whoever that guy was, I don't even know his name, told me to get up, and I got up. It's not my fault. Told me to take my bed and walk. Take the bed. Don't. Make yourself comfortable in your old lifestyle. Because he was in a bed. He had a mat where he slept and made himself comfortable. The colonnades made himself comfortable. Don't get comfortable. Take your mat. Move away. Do not plan to go back to your old situation. Come on. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it, was, who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. He said, No more. Jesus is not just concerned about curing you. He's concerned about restoring you. Amen. There's a difference between being cured and restored. Who cares if you're cured of all the diseases and you still, in heaven, do not know him? Who cares if you're better, like you, 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 got well, you got cured of some situation, but then your heart is still the same, and then you revert back to your old ways because your habits and your daily practices are the same. It's like me, um, I have a habit of eating fast. Right, honey? She's always like, you just eat so fast. I'm, and I keep telling her, I'm trying. We've been together 34 years. I try. I think the slowest I ever ate was our first date. Because <laughs> I was trying to imp impress her. <laughs> but she was still so, she eats so slow. But probably proper. I ate so fast. And I'm trying to, and food doesn't taste good if I don't eat fast. But, I, but one of the things that I do is if I eat fast when I'm eating soup, it like splashes all over my shirt and, and so forth. And so, and it doesn't matter if I get a new shirt and somebody gave me a new, new, like, new, new clothes, a new white shirt because the old one is dirty. If my habits are the same, it's going to be exactly the way it was before. You guys understand what I'm saying? He wants to restore you. He says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed them. What a tattletale. This guy has got some problems. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. This guy has some problems. Do you see that this guy has some issues? Yes? So the word invalid in verse 3 actually means somebody without strength, languishing, lacking vitality, feeble, weak, unable 
in need. It doesn't mean the man was paralyzed. Some people were paralyzed. This man was invalid. It, 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 the Bible really doesn't tell us what was, what was his sickness or disease. Or, I, we don't really know. But it just says the guy was without strength. He was weak, feeble, unable, frail. He was poor, insignificant, downcast, drying out, dwindling. That's the Hebrew and the Greek. Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? And the man gives him not an answer, but an excuse. <laughs> the man answered, sir, but I have no one. I have no one. If I, I try, I've, I've been here, I've done everything I was supposed to do. I've been here, I've been, at the, I've been at this pool, but somebody goes ahead of me. I have no one. And only if somebody helped me. Only if. Jesus asked him a simple question. Do you want to get well? And the man answers him with the reasons why he can't. How many of you guys know we're like that? Do you want to be happy, Josh? Yes. <laughs> I asked the wrong person. Do you want to be happy? Somebody, somebody, you want to be happy? And the person is, well, I, there's so many reasons why I can't be happy. I have no friends. I, people don't like me. I try my best. I don't have a good job. My parents bother me, and I'm not happy. And my wife is not the happiest person, so I, she, if, only if she was happy, I would be happy. You know, one of my first counseling sessions, my counselor said, he said, I, he kept saying, what's wrong with you? I'm not happy because, you know, when I go out to play golf or something, my wife is not happy. And that makes my, my day really bad, like ruined. And my kids are crying. And then only if my kids didn't cry and my wife would kiss me before I went to golf, so I would feel free. I, I worked so hard. I just want one day where I can play golf. And, and I kept saying this to him. He goes, the world is just all about you. And your happiness is so dependent on people. What does the Bible say, Steve? I don't know what the Bible says. I spent $60,000 $60, on a graduate degree. I don't know what the Bible says is happy. I didn't want to tell him, actually, I knew. Psalm 1, happy is the man who walks in the counsel of God. It's just too simple. I didn't want to say it because it's too simple. Just follow God, I'll be happy. This is too simple. I got so many myriad of reasons why I can't do this and I can't do that, why I'm sick, why I'm this. I have so many reasons. If I was only this, if I only had a job, I would do this. If I only was a leader, I would do this. If I only, do you guys understand? Only if. How many guys that you are invalid in your life because you have only ifs? The only if that you need is that Jesus is in front of you. Come on. This man did not see, understand. He could not see who was in front of him. He blamed his conditions. I have no, I have no, when the water is troubled, no one is taking me. The circumstances of my life is such that I cannot get restored. Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. The God of the universe is standing in front of you asking, do you want to get well? And you're giving him these feeble reasons, and that's the reason why you're so feeble in your life. I have no man. 
I know we like to make excuses. We're, we're, we're raised that way. We're raised that way. My dad said, no excuses. He was a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. You guys know that. No excuses. He hated excuses. Even though I know some reason, some excuses are valid. Some reasons. My car broke down. That, that's why I'm late. The car broke down. I can't help it. No excuses. I'm like, it's frustrate the heck out of me. But there's some excuses. I have, stu- I have student. I'm a professor, so students give me a crazy amount of crazy excuses. My cat ate my paper. <laughs> Literally, there was somebody. <laughs> I went, really? Show me your cat. <laughs> give me a, like a screenshot of a cat. Is this your cat or a screenshot of a cat? You know, and I just want to go further. Like, show me, your, show me, show me the poop <laughs> of the cap, and let's examine it and see if there's paper material in it. Show me the paper that, uh, surely the cat didn't eat the whole thing. Show me the pieces of paper. You know what I mean? I don't do, it's just too much of a bother. So I'm like, sure, get a day extension, fine. I'm such a nice professor. I shouldn't be admitting this in school. <laughs> Parents often raise their children to placate your excuse-making. And then at the other end, they also shame you for the things that you do, so you are forced to make excuses. It's like a double whammy. Psychologists, child psychologists talk about this. So if you had parents who's... (laughs) You spill milk... One of the parents will say, like my wife usually would say, don't worry, it wasn't your fault. To take away that responsibility, you guys understand? Usually it's the mom. Don't worry, it wasn't your fault, Zach. Or Isabel, who spilled the milk. And they cry, right? And then so they make you feel bad. Whereas the dad usually like, why did you spill the milk? Which is an impossible question for a six-year-old. Why did you spill that milk? I don't know. <laughs> Tell me a reason. And then it just immediately, it shows them that they have to cover up or make up some reason. Shame. That's the sin of all humanity. That's the disease of all mankind. And then the other parent covers it up. Don't worry, it's not your fault. So we live in these dual realities where we just, we're, we're constantly covering up and then we surround ourselves with people who will placate our feeble living. Amen? There's people who are making you comfortable in your excuse making. There is a pool of excuses. There's a pool. There's a pool of Bethesda, but there's a pool of excuses that you're being comfortable in, and people are making colonnades to make you comfortable in your feeble living. Because most of the time, your friends have no capacity to believe that Jesus can transform your life with one word. Because you don't believe that, and then you feel bad actually confronting somebody. You're allowing somebody to live in their feebleness. You guys following what I'm trying to say? Jesus is saying, get woke. 
I'm in front of you. You don't need no man. I knew, that, I knew that would get some laughter. You don't need no woman. You don't need no people. If I give you the people, then you, you interact with that community and they will help you. But ultimately, the source of all help is Jesus. I, you don't need no... I have no man. I have nobody to help me. I'm dependent on people. Jesus is saying, you're only interdependent on people to help you because I have helped you. Did David say when he was facing Goliath, I have no man to help me? Where is my help? He said, no, just give me a stone. I will do it. Did Abraham complain about nobody helping him when he became the father of nations? When Did Joseph in prison say, I have no man to help me escape from prison? Did Daniel complain when he was in the lion's den? I have no man. Of course, there was lions. He had no man. He had no man. Did Jesus complain? He had no man to help him off the cross in the cave? I have no man is not an excuse. Jesus didn't say, let me help you. Let me help you. I'll do what you want. Let me help you. You want me to? I'll stay here when the water's there. I will help you get into the pool. He didn't say, you know what, i got to go away, but just keep doing what you're doing. I'll come back and see how you're doing. Just keep persevering. He didn't say that. He didn't say, while you're here, you know, you got the colonnade and the mat. Let me give you an upgrade in your mat so you're more comfortable in your situation. Is anyone following what I'm saying? Are you understanding the words coming out of my mouth? Maybe you're getting convicted. As brothers and sisters, as a community, we can't make people comfortable in their excuse making. I know it's not the most kosher and the politically correct and like, like a secret sensitive community, but we're not here to make, comfortable, make people comfortable in their invalidity, in their feebleness. Amen? There needs to be an offer of tangible help Jesus is in the room. You can change your life. No more excuses. No excuses. Jesus did not entertain his, his, his reasons, the man's reasons why he can't. He didn't even entertain it. He said, but I have no man. I, if I try to go in, it's stirred. It's, I, the timing is wrong. The timing is not right. It's not the right time. Jesus doesn't answer any of those questions. He just said, get woke, rise up. No excuses. How many guys like to play golf? Chris is the only, you are my golf partner. You're the only one in this Rain City church. Obviously, we can't have a Rain City golf team because it would just be me and Chris. When I was in California, California, sunshine, I, my wife and I, we had no money. International students. And then all my friends were playing golf. 
and at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, you can play golf for $3.25. Like an awesome golf course. Only, only caveat is you have to do it in the afternoon at 1 p.m. when it's hot, so you get heat stroke, and no cart, you have to walk. It's $3.25, and I had no clubs. And my friends had all these nice clubs. And so I just, my dad taught me no excuse mentality. He's the guy that like, gave, gave, told me to go, and go into the basement of our new house and then put up some drywall. I, like, I'm a teenager, what do I do, dad? Threw me a, like a book, instructions on how to put a drywall. There was no YouTube back then. Just gave me a book, some drywall, and said, I expect the drywall to be up by the time I come home. He said, if you don't get that up, you're never going outside. Obviously, I messed it up, but I tried, and he said, good enough. Now put up the toilet the next day. Like, no excuses. I don't know if that's the right way to parent, <laughs> but I'm just saying that's, the, that's his mentality. So I have that mentality, like no excuses. And so I, I, there was no Google, so I just found out that there was this golf shop called Shamrack Golf. If you, Chris, you know what I'm talking about. There's no such thing as a golf club called Shamrock. It was $50, all different sizes. One was like this, like this. I just bought for $50 and a $10 driver I bought and I played and I practiced with that for hours, no excuses. Why do I tell this story? Because I still have like cheap golf clubs from like 15 years ago and used clubs and people just hand me down. I use that. I buy like $20 golf shoes, I go up and I play golf, and even if the ball goes, I have no excuses. But the people I play with is really funny. They got like $1,000 clubs, souped up like Tiger Woods. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nice belt, and they look so good, and their like, shirt is probably, their shirt alone probably costs more than my golf clubs. And they, sh they hit the ball, and then it goes like crazy, or they hit the dirt or something, and they always look at the club like, something's wrong with this club. And then I just want to tell them, it's not the club, it's you. <laughs> and every time they're like, get the club, and then eventually they get so angry, and they hit the club, and they break the club. I remember they throw the club like it's the club, and I just want to say, it's not the club, dude, it's you. Maybe the problem is not circumstances, it's you. Maybe there's something that you need to do. Wake up. No more excuses. Amen? Sometimes when you help somebody in the way that you, they want to be helped, you're actually preventing the transformation that God wants to do in their life. Have you thought about that? When somebody's like, can you help me? I need this, I need you to help me this way, and then you help that person, and then you actually, instead of helping them, you got in the way of the transformational work that God wants to do. Yes? You should really think about the help you offer. Is it, 
Is it pity or compassion? Because if it's pity, it's like you do whatever they want in the most minimal way because also you don't want to trouble yourself, but you, you placate and then you validate their way of living because you don't want to trouble yourself. And yet, you think you're helping, but you're leaving that man in that state or the person in that state longer than they probably should be. Amen? I was reading this study. I'm almost done. There were two, there was a study about rats. You guys like rats? Who likes rats, you crazy people? Rats, golf. Rats cough. Okay. Rats. There was a study of rats. One set of rats was confined to small spaces, and they were trapped. And one set of rats were in a reasonable, like, they had space to move around. So they weren't just roaming around the whole city, but they had space. More space, more creativity, more space to do whatever they want. They discovered that the rats in the small space were stressed. Because small space, they're stressed. And that stress caused them to actually, um, their brain chemistry, the rats' brain chemistry became such that their um, parts of the brain that generated creativity or goal-oriented behavior decreased in the rat. And they relegated them, the, the rats the, the rats were relegated to just habitual kind of daily grind of doing the same thing because that caused them to ease their stress. You guys following? But the rats that were free had creativity and they were going outside the box, so to speak, and doing new things. Why am I telling you this? Because if you feel like those excuses or things that you're giving reasons to why you can't change or why you can't change your situation, it actually decreases your brain chemistry and innovative, innovation and creativity in your life because you're focusing on the reasons why you cannot rather than the reasons why you can't. With Christ, all things are possible. So with Christ, your brain chemistry actually changes and the ability to think outside the box and create new solutions becomes more prominent in your life. So that you no longer are stuck, you are unstuck. The moment you focus on Christ rather than the situation, your brain capacity enlarges. Excuses of why you cannot is your imagination without God, which is lacking. When you actually see Jesus, your imagination capacity increases. 
and you're able to create new solutions to the problems or situations in your life. There is no can't. There is no can't with Christ. We, we got locked out on Sunday. They said you can't meet here anymore. And so there's no can't. There's always a can't. Right, Josh? It's, it's, I can do. There's always a can't. There's a possibility. Even if we have to meet in the park, we can. Everybody get a big umbrella if it rains. You know, there's always a can't. There's no can't. Come on, somebody. There's no, there's no can't in the kingdom. All things are possible. And if all things are possible, your imagination enlarges. There's so many different ways for God to creatively get you out of your present situation. The moment you choose your circumstances over God's truth, you become invalid. Your legs become weak. And you try to comfort yourself in the place or your situation because you don't have the creativity to move forward because you don't have the faith that God or Jesus is standing right in front of you giving you a solution. He doesn't say do this or do that. He just says, wake up. Get woke. I am in front of you. And with me, you have everything. That is the first question you need to answer yourself. Excuse making is a life of blaming and you're stuck in the past situations, circumstances. A life with Christ is a repentant life, a life of new direction, and it's full of possibilities. You know, repentance is not just like, I'm so sorry, God, for doing, living that way. I'm so sorry. It's not, it's not a guilt trip. It's like God's offering you a new direction, a life of future that's creative and innovative, and anything can happen. Amen? So stop sinning, Jesus said. Some people, a lot of scholars said he must have done something to cause his sickness. I don't believe that. Jesus is saying, stop living the way your attitude is what made you stay here for 38 years. And your life, that's the 38 years in that, in that time, that's a whole life. You almost stayed your whole life in this feeble state because of your attitude. Don't stay in that place. Live a new life because Jesus, I don't know if he was testing him, let him go. He didn't even reveal himself. And the guy started, people say, well, how come you're walking? He's like, that guy, I don't know, that guy. And then later on, he says, Jesus made it. Do you understand? He's blaming. He's a person that always externally blaming. And Jesus saying, examine yourself. Take responsibility. Be repentant. Go in a new direction. All things are possible because I'm standing in front of you. Come on, somebody. That gets me excited. Yes? Yeah. Why don't we stand? I don't know if you guys... I don't know. That, that sermon excited me. Yeah. Charlene was the only one that was excited. <laughs> it's like, woo, yeah, okay. No excuses. I know we're going through tough circumstances. 
I know people who go through, I don't want to compare, but the people are going through tough, tough situations. But there's people that I see, no excuses. To just, what am I supposed to do next? God, you are the God of the impossible. You can change my situation. I see for those people, even in their bad circumstances, there's strength in them. Their legs are strong. It's like they've done squats in the kingdom. And then they're like strong legs. Amen? And, but, and I see some people who are going through, it's not as tough, but then they're just, they have a thousand reasons why they're the way they are. Let it convict you. Say yes. Today, I can change my situation. Today, okay, today you can go in a new direction. Everything can change today. It, maybe God will not give you the plan or the solution in every way, but he just wants you to get woke. All things are possible. My life can change. <laughs> Amen? I remember a woman that came up to me and said, I don't think I'm ever going to get married. I said, that's okay. You don't have to get married. It's not, like, not everyone has to get married. They're like, but I want to get married. I'm, 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 I want to get married. Okay. Um, you're in your 40s? Yes. You want to get married? Yes, I want to find a man. And I said, well, what do you think you need to do to find a man? Pray to Jesus? Yes, that's a good number one. What, what else do you have to do? What do you think Jesus would want you to do? Clean yourself up? Feel beautiful inside and show other people how beautiful you are? Get a makeover? That's what I said. She was like, <laughs> I thought she was going to be offended and slap me, but I said, maybe it's time for you to get a makeover. It hasn't been working for you for 20 years. <laughs> but you know what? She did. I think my wife helped her get a makeover. Within a few years, she got married. Do you understand what I'm saying? You guys are like, you're so mean. Well, I didn't go and tell her that. She asked me for help. <laughs> a guy said the same thing. I want to get married. He was a young guy, and I said, well, you don't take care of yourself. You don't have a job. You're lazy. You play video games all day. You don't care about your yourself. You don't even take a shower. And you don't even brush your teeth. I know that sounds mean. I said, do you really want to get better? Do you really want to change God can do anything, any moment, but you need to show the Lord that you're serious about this. Position yourself. The man thought positioning himself near the pool was the key. No, the position, he didn't, it, the pool doesn't even matter. You just got to position yourself before God. What do you want me to do? What you want me to do, I will do it. Amen? I have no job. Well, get an education. God can do anything. 
All things are possible. Open up your mind. Father, with you, there are really no excuses. There's just circumstances and situations. And if we really believe that you are God, you can change any circumstance, any situation. You can do all things. We believe that you are the God of the impossible of all things. And you can change our situation and you're calling us to wake up. The God, people, the God of the universe is standing in front of you and says, do you want to change? Do you want to get better? Do you want a new life? Time for decision is today. If you want to go in a new direction, put your hand on your heart right here. Right here. This is, the heart is the center of decision making. And then put your right hand up to the heavens. This is, I will do what you say. Now, if you do this, this is a serious covenant. God takes these things very seriously. Every time I do things like this, like that, I'll do whatever you say, then he calls me on it. Like this year, I said, God, I'll go to Africa. And then he called me on it. <laughs> I'll tell you more about that next time. It's getting really serious. So put your hand up and say, God, I, I'm ready. I'm ready to change. I'm the person. I need to change. You're giving me the power to wake up. All things are possible. Now put your hand on your brain. I'm going to pray that God gives you just supernatural creativity. For some of you, you're stuck in your job and you don't know how to like transition out or like you're just not even thinking like you just have one way, one way. This is my way. Like God, do this for me. Do that for me. Maybe God is going to shift your life around completely and even give you a new career. All things are possible. All things are possible. If you want a spouse, maybe you'll look at somebody that you've never thought. I just, I gotta marry an Asian dude, Asian dude, Asian dude. Maybe he'll look, open your eyes to a different person. Creativity, innovation, all things are possible. Amen. <laughs> Do not limit him. Father, we just open up our brains. Holy Spirit, come and create, bring innovation and creativity in our lives. No excuses. No reasons, no feeble living. All things are possible. So many different ways and the ways to do things. You have infinite array, myriad of ways to change our lives. We thank you, God. We rely on your creativity because you can do all things. We give you all the glory. I pray now that you would change our lives. Testimonies of lives being changed, transformed. And I declare that your lives will be changed even beginning this week, this month, that your situations will change and your things will turn around and you have new direction. 
I know I talked about couples a lot, but if you really want to get married now, if you want to stay single, that's also on equal level with getting married. There's no, this church is not like, the marriage is like the highest call of God. Singlehood is also a calling from God. Amen? But if you do want to get married, just pray, just put your hand on your heart right here, and I'm going to declare that you'll begin to see open eyes. More marriages, more couples will happen in our life. Now, I prayed this in our old church, and then seven couples, I think, that year got married. So, I don't know if I should pray this. <laughs> new direction, new avenue, new people, new couples. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's praise the Lord.